I want to talk about, uh, I put the title down, Channeling Your Higher Self. Um, so this is the Sunday that uh, obviously is in between Christmas and New Year's. This is the time of year when, momentum-wise, we say goodbye to what was and we embrace what's coming or we look forward to <clears throat> what's coming. We either look forward to it with anticipation or we look forward to it with dread. And I suppose there are some people that don't uh, think about or look forward to uh, the future at all. But I do have a tradition. It's so funny. I, I, I've been harping on the, the prophet's um <laughs> you can go back a couple of Sundays and see where I kind of went on a, a rant about it. <clears throat> and that's all part of, you know, what I'm doing with uh Christian deconstruction and the religious trauma page and those kinds of things. And um and I realized <laughs> it's so funny. I realized that uh I do every year on this particular Sunday, the Sunday between Christmas and New Year's, I try to look forward to the new year and bring something um, that will be edifying and help people make that transition because there is something to celebrating holidays and rituals that we do collectively. And this time at new year's, again, it's a time for a lot of us for reflection on the past year. Some of us get depressed because we think, wow, I didn't accomplish anything I wanted to in the last year. Some of us look forward to the future. As I was saying, some of us set New Year's resolutions, but we do this collectively. There's collective energy in our society and in our culture in this New Year ritual that we do. <clears throat> and when the pandemic hit, I remember thinking uh, to myself, just trying to make sense of what was going on. I thought, well, I wonder if any of the prophets that I used to listen to had anything to say about this. And that wasn't wasn't going back with a critical eye to see, oh, yeah, see, you guys didn't get it. I was going back honestly looking for a word for something that was going to help make sense uh, of what was happening. This was right after the shutdown. What I didn't think to do for some reason until this morning was go back and listen to what I had said uh, on this particular Sunday about um, about the coming year. And it was very interesting uh, looking back at the things that I said, I could see how, at least for myself, I won't speak for anybody else, but for myself, um, I really was sort of prophesying to myself. Uh, and I could see how so much of what I said unfolded throughout the year without me even being consciously aware of it. So I wondered, you know, on this particular Sunday, this is when a lot of preachers and ministers and prophets and whoever else are giving their forecasts or their encouragement or their words for the coming new year. And I just wondered uh, how many people have the guts to do that after 2020? Because 2020 was crazy, right? Uh, 2020 was uh, difficult and painful. Um, and But in many ways, it was transformative. It was very transformative, whether for good or for ill, whether we faced the transformation or fought the transformation, whatever the case may be. And, uh, and so just in thinking about what I wanted to say going forward into this next season, into 2021, I wanted to offer some things on the prophetic, um, because here's the interesting thing. We're looking for prophetic words. I mean, I know we're not, those of you that are listening, but maybe in the year past or you know people like this, 
or you part of that movement, or you're at least aware of that movement of, you know, what's God saying for the new year in the context of the prophetic. Oftentimes we're looking for something that is going to speak to the collective that's going to prophesy to the nation or prophesy to the collective Christian community or give us some sense or some anticipation of what's happening and what's coming. And so my encouragement for you today is to not throw the baby out with the bathwater. In other words, we can look at mistakes from the past or we can look at, you know, nobody really foresaw this or prophets don't have that great of a track record or whatever the case may be. And not think about ourselves prophetically or in the sense of foretelling or forthtelling or speaking and declaring or looking forward over our own lives as to what is going to manifest for us in our future. <clears throat> and so rather than trying to connect, so, so one of the things that we do, I don't want to skip this part, I want to talk about this. There's, it's really common, you've heard me address this repeatedly, it's really common in consciousness awakening circles and spiritual circles today to uh, talk about the ego. And the ego gets a bad rap. The ego is something typically that we're trying to cleanse ourselves from, or the ego is something that we're trying to get rid of. And I've contended that the ego is not something that we're trying to get rid of. It's something that we're trying to uh, cleanse. Certainly, it's something that we're trying to um, that we need. It's essential to our life right here. And so many spiritual paths try to take you away from life right here and just move you up into this sort of detached, transcendent life and, and what have you. But thinking about this, I really think that the Toltecs the Toltec wisdom is a better way to look at the structure of our thinking and to understand this concept of what people call the ego that Don Miguel Ruiz in his writings, he calls it the parasite. And so the idea is that we come here to live our lives and it, that we come from the stars, that we come from the heavens, that we, we are divine in nature, <clears throat> but that we become programmed. We forget who we are. We forget who we are, and we become programmed to operate and function according to the standards and the teachings and the trainings of the world around us. <clears throat> and this leads to a lot of self-judgment. This leads to a lot of self-hatred. And this part of us that becomes programmed by the world around us, by the thought currents, by the memes of the day, the trends of the day, he calls this part the parasite. And I think that's such a profound way of looking at it because if you think about it, a parasite is not something that has a life in and of itself. It is something that has to suck life out of something else. And so if you can think about your body as simply a vessel for expression in the physical world, then this false programmed, uh, sort of twisted, judgmental self that he calls the parasite then is sucking off of our body or sucking off of our life, sucking off of the days of our life and finding expression. 
And so one of the things that the parasite needs is the parasite needs direction. This part of our consciousness, the false self, what some people call the ego, it needs to find direction and it will try to cling to things. It will try to fasten itself to things or it will copy. And so what you find most people doing, the vast majority of people doing, is memeing. Now, we, we use the term meme to refer to, you know, funny little pictures or something that, that show up on Facebook, but <clears throat> the actual word meme comes from the idea to copy a pattern. And so <clears throat> there's part of our consciousness that is only aware of this three-dimensional world, that's only aware of this lifetime, that's only aware of the information that, that we're taking in through our physical senses. <clears throat> And it needs to attach itself to something, and it needs to copy something, so that we end up memeing each other, so that religion is a meme. If you go back and you listen to uh, these patterns, so you, religion is a copy. You, you have to look like us, you have to dress like us, you have to think like us. And if you move outside of the meme, if you start asking questions that make us uncomfortable, if you start thinking for yourself, if you start reading books by authors that we don't approve of, you're moving outside of the meme. And so uh, there's a force or a power uh, of this parasitic self and other parasites <laughs> living through other human beings that tries to <clears throat> fit you back into that box. Politics is entirely based on memeing, especially in our culture, because in democracy, you've got to get the majority to think a certain way, to feel a certain way about a candidate. And so there's all this memeing and, and shaping and molding that goes that goes on with that. <clears throat> People during the pandemic are either memeing, mask wearing and social distancing and caution, or they are memeing the opposite of that. Either way, it's it's a copy. It's a it's a movement. You see what I'm saying? And we get stuck in that. We get stuck in those currents. And that's what causes us to live as uh I can't remember if it was Thoreau or Emerson said that most people live quiet lives of desperation, right? Or however that quote goes. Somebody can help me out and type it in the chat if you know it. But that's that it really is where most of us live. And yet there is, especially for those of us that are spiritually minded, those of us that are directed towards God, those of us that are attracted towards religion or whatever the case may be, there, there's something in us that says there's got to be more than just this three-dimensional world. There's got to be more than just this life that we're living. And so there's there's something innate. There's something within us that wants to open up and wants to reach up and wants to experience the transcendent. And this is where the higher self comes in. Now, the higher self may be a new term. Some of you may relate it strictly with the New Age movement. It's much, much older than that. I'm going to give you a little bit of history and understanding of the higher self, but I also I'm going to use the scriptures because I want you to see that that you can full you can fully embrace the Bible. You can fully embrace faith in Jesus or wherever you're coming from. And yet the Bible itself teaches this connection with the higher self. And so I want to talk about what, what connecting with the higher self, what that has to do with us today, what that has to do with us for the future, and what that has to do with with
that it's really that connection with the higher self that allows us to transcend the memes or transcend the parasite or transcend this person that we know ourselves to be who's locked into the limitations of the three-dimensional world. So that our lives are governed by uh, the physical forces around us. They're governed by the mindsets of other people around us, governed by religion, governed by politics, governed by our family. A lot of people leave home only physically. A lot of people become full-fledged adults, and they never actually leave home psychologically. They can be 30, 40, 50, 60 years old, even into the end of their life, and they're still trying to live up to mom's standards, or they're still trying to live up to dad's standards, or they're still trying to please mom. Subconsciously, psychologically, uh, they never grew up. Their body grew up, and they left home, but their mind never left the house. Uh, so we have all these things that sort of seem to box us in, and the way out is through connection to the higher self. <clears throat> now, the higher self is not, absolutely not, a new age term. It's, it, it predates it by a lot. In fact, this concept of the higher self is rooted in the Bible, and it's taught throughout Judaism. Let me show you a little book that I have. This is uh, written, it's called The Anatomy of the Soul, and it's uh, the teachings of the Kabbalah series by Rabbi, uh, can't say the first name, Ginsburg, Rabbi Ginsburg, who is a Hasidic, a Hasidic rabbi who's made a lot of the teachings of the Kabbalah in Judaism uh, available. And this whole book, The Anatomy of the Soul, talks about these levels of the self, beginning with the higher self in the heavens and and funneling down into the physical self that lives in this body and goes by the name Aaron or uh, whatever whatever your your thing is, right? So I just want you to see that it's actually rooted in Jewish thought. And Kabbalah comes out of mystical Judaism, or what was known in the times of Jesus as Merkava, Merkava mysticism. And the word Merkava is the Hebrew word that translates as chariot. So when the chariot of fire comes down and takes Elijah up into the heavens, uh, it's the word, the Merkava. But where the the centerpiece, and, and I really want to emphasize this again, the centerpiece of understanding of mystical Judaism in the time of Jesus and Second Temple Judaism, the key passage of scripture that was uh, put forth in Merkava mysticism was Ezekiel chapter 1. And in Ezekiel chapter 1, Ezekiel sees the heavens open, he sees the whirlwind, he sees the cloud, he sees the fire, and then he sees... Uh, a chariot. He sees a throne, the mobile throne of God, the wheel within the wheel, uh, the firmament, the sapphire. All of that is this chariot, this concept of the mobile throne of God. And when he looks up, he sees a throne and he sees one on the throne, one like unto the son of man. So when he peers into the heavens and he sees this, this, uh, being on a throne, we are inclined to believe based on our Christian religious conditioning, that he's seeing Jesus. But in Jewish tradition and in New Testament biblical thought, he's not seeing Jesus. And I'll show you this in Paul Paul's writings in a minute. But he sees one like unto the Son of Man, and then God speaks to him and says, Son of Man, stand up on your feet. And so what they understood was that he was seeing his higher self. 
And so the whole concept of the prophetic spirit that uh, runs through the scriptures, that runs through Judeo-Christian tradition, was not necessarily the idea that Yahweh was speaking through you. In order to be a prophet, you had to have a Merkava-type experience or Merkava-type encounter where you encountered the self that was in the glory. Uh, Paul refers to this in 2 Corinthians 3.18. We all beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord. He says, once the veil of the flesh is torn away, or the veil of our preconditioning according to this three-dimensional reality and life in which we're living, once it's torn away, we behold as in a mirror the glory of the Lord. He never says we behold the Lord. He says we behold the glory of the Lord. And he's drawing from Ezekiel's passage, when we put it back in its context, and he's, he's saying he had an encounter with his higher self. And that encounter with the higher self is what Paul is encouraging us to have in 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 18. This, this self that exists. So here's, here's the concept of the higher self that, that what we experience in this three-dimensional world, the parasite or what some people call the ego, is merely the record keeping or the recording, the present, let me say it this way. What we're doing right now when we're locked into this lower level of consciousness, this parasite consciousness or this ego consciousness or this three-dimensional consciousness, expression to the recording of what we have experienced, what we've heard, what we've seen, what we've tasted, what we've gone through in life, we're giving a present expression of that recording. It's like hitting a play button. And so that's why so many of our thoughts are just repetitive patterns. That's why we do the same thing day after day. Uh, we think the same way. And it's also why we think it's hard to change because we're just locked into this dimension. But this is not the only level or layer of consciousness. So the concept is, is that in the higher realms of the spirit, yeah, exactly, Stephen, past the veil, in the higher realms of the spirit, there exists an us that is more of a collective consciousness that has the mind of the spirit, that if you believe in past lives, this is where the idea of past lives comes in. And by the way, past lives is also not inconsistent with scripture or inconsistent with the Bible and was part of Christian tradition and teaching until the 6th century when it was removed by one of the popes and one of the emperors. But that's uh, teaching for another day. So <clears throat> this is the you that is eternal. This is the you that is rooted as Rabbi Ginsburg says, that is rooted in the divine source, that is rooted in the divine essence, that exists in the upper regions and the upper realms of the spirit. And so removed, he's talking about uh, a transcendent consciousness, an ability to ascend above all that you know yourself to be in this life to the higher realms of the spirit in order to apprehend what Paul calls the mind of Christ or the Christ self or who you are in Christ or what other traditions call the higher self or what Rabbi Ginsburg and the Kabbalists call the divine self. And so this is the you <laughs> that has access to all things. So let me give you some scripture for this, because I know some of you, if you don't have scripture, you're not comfortable. And so I already gave you one, um, 2 Corinthians 3.18. 
but I'll give you another one here. Um, I used to preach this all the time. Ephesians chapter 2, I almost don't even have to turn there. But he says, and you, uh, verse 1, you he made alive who were dead in trespasses and sins, in which you once walked according to the course of this world, uh, the patterning, the memeing of this world, if you will, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit who works now in the sons of disobedience, among whom also you once conducted yourselves in the lusts of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature children of wrath, just as others. But God, who is rich in mercy because of his great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in trespasses, he made us alive together with Christ. Notice this is in the past tense. Most people are looking for a resurrection in the future, a resurrection of the body, a rapture, a, 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 a second coming. But Paul himself in the scriptures is making this past tense. You were once dead. You were once walking according to the course of the world and the pattern of this age. But God, who was rich in mercy because of his great love wherewith he loved you, he made you alive together in Christ. For by grace you've been saved. And watch this past tense. And raised us up together and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Watch this. This is where... uh there's hints of reincarnation that in the ages to come, he might show the exceeding riches of his grace and his kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. How could he be showing his glory through you in the ages to come if you didn't get a chance to participate in the ages to come? But anyway, like I said, that's a teaching for another time. But I want you to notice he puts it in the past tense. So he's saying that there is a you that is seated in heavenly places, seated in the upper realms of the spirit in Christ Jesus. He's telling us this in Ephesians 2. He says the same thing, although we know Paul didn't actually write the book of Colossians, but the book of Colossians uh, says the same thing in chapter 3. Verse 1, he says, if you then were raised with Christ, again, past tense, you've already been raised with Christ. This is in your Bible. This is in your scripture. Nobody preaches it, but it's there. (laughs) If you then were raised with Christ, watch this, seek those things which are above where Christ is sitting at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things above, not on things on the earth, for you died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. Your life is hidden with Christ in God. And when Christ, who is our life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. Not talking about the second coming. Paul's reiterating again what he said in 2 Corinthians 3.18, that you need to get this revelation in the right here and now. That beholding as as in a mirror the glory of the Lord, we are transformed into the same image with ever increasing glory. So he's saying here, you have a life that is above this life, that is above this three dimensional life, that's above this earthly life. That your life, your actual life is hidden in Christ, hidden in God, and you are to open your consciousness or set your mind on things above, and that as you do that, there is an appearing, there is a there is an unveiling, there is a shining forth that comes to you from your higher self, just like what Ezekiel experienced, that comes to you from your higher self, this Merkava experience, where God God shines through the you that is eternal, the you that was chosen in Christ before the foundation of the world, the you that has the spark of the divine, the you that has eternal life within it, then you you open your mind to that, and then then the light of the divine shines through that, and you find that Christ is your life, and that when he appears, you also appear with him in glory, because you're seeing you. Now, I want to pick up on this phrase, your life is hidden with Christ in God. Now, in, you could take that to the book of Revelation and the seven seals. 
uh, it's written on the outside and on the inside. Some of you have heard me teach this. What, what does that mean? What are the seven seals? What is that all about? Because you have a life that is hidden. You, you have a story of your life. You have a, you have a scroll, a destiny scroll, a soul code, if you will, that is written inside of you. This is where the word intuition comes from. Tuition, you think about paying tuition to a college. The word tuition and its etymology and its origins, it means to learn or to have an education. Uh, so tuition is to pay for the education, but the word itself means education, and in means an education that comes from within. This is the writing on the inside of the scroll. scroll. But then you have writing on the outside of the scroll. What is the writing on the outside of the scroll? The writing on the outside of the scroll is all the programming and stories and junk that we tell ourselves about who we are and about what life's about based on the memeing that we've been doing throughout life, based on the programming that we got from family, based on the programming that we got from religion, based on the programming that we got from trauma, traumatic childhood experiences based on the limitations that we're given and we're told what, what we can do and what we can't do. We're told what's possible and what's not possible. And that's the story on the outside. So you can't read the story on the inside because it's sealed. Now watch this. It's in the right hand of him who sits on the throne. The him, go back and read carefully Revelation 4 and 5. The him who sits on the throne is not Jesus. The him who sits on the throne is God. It is. I could I could go there, but anyway, but notice that we're seated in Christ. Where is Christ? At the right hand of God. So the scroll represents us. The scroll represents us, and, and the seals represent the things that are, the, the chaos that ensues, symbolically the chaos that ensues, as these things are removed from us. The four horsemen are, are areas of our life that uh, are the result of the parasite. It's, it's the removing and the cleansing of the soul so that you can see clearly so that what's written on the inside, your life which is hidden with Christ in God can be opened up and read. And as that scroll begins to be opened up, then there is a dramatic change that begins to take place in your circumstances. So then I want to just look at one more scripture and then we'll just talk a little bit about practically how do we do this. First Corinthians chapter three. I want to encourage you with this. Uh, first Corinthians chapter three. I was quoting second Corinthians chapter three earlier. Um, first Corinthians chapter three. He says, uh, verse 21. <clears throat> this whole chapter is good. In light of this, but let's just go to verse 21. Therefore, let no one boast in men. Watch this. For all things are yours. Whether Paul or Apollos or Cephas or the world or life or death. Watch this. Or things present or things to come. All are Yours. The world, life, death, things present, watch this, and things to come, all are yours. They all belong to you. They're part of your inheritance. They're part of your possession. Now notice what he says isn't there. Things present and things to come. Notice he doesn't say anything about the past. (laughs) The past doesn't really belong to you. That's why you you can't go back and change the past, but you can reshape the future by doing something different in the present. 
The past does not belong to you, so therefore it should not define you. It should not define yourself. It should not limit you. It should not control you. It should not dictate to you. So whatever kind of crap you've gone through in the last year, whatever kind of stuff collectively we've experienced in 2020, listen, that stuff doesn't belong to you. And there needs to come a point in time that we set those things down, that we drop those things, that we let go of those things, that we take off the garment of self that is the garment of the past. This is what Paul refers to as the old man. And that we be renewed in the spirit of our mind, that we set our mind on things above, that we set our mind in alignment with our higher self and our higher purpose, where our life is hidden with God, and allow our higher self, who is in Christ, to begin to speak to us, to meet our higher self, and to let our higher self begin to download into us and begin to speak to us about the things... We receive a prophetic word uh, from our higher self who knows why we're here, who knows what we're supposed to experience and what we're supposed to learn. How freeing it is when you understand there is no judgment. There is no God in the sky that is going to judge you for the things you said and the things you did and the mistakes that you made. That, there, that, that, that this whole punishment paradigm is total bullshit. It is total crap because it keeps people in bondage and it keeps them recycling. It keeps them in fear and self-doubt and intimidation. It keeps them locked into memes. It keeps them locked into religious bullshit and political bullshit and keeps them locked into the past. Because we're afraid if we step outside of these lines, if we step outside of these religious memes, if we do something uh, wrong, that there's some kind of punishment or there's some kind of withholding of reward from us, but it's so much better to understand that, listen, you're here to experience life. You're here to learn. You're here to grow. There's a world of difference between, uh, let me just say this, no one who ever lived fearfully lived greatly. I'm going to say that again. No one who ever lived fearfully lived greatly. And religion keeps us in a bondage and chains of fear because we're afraid of our future. We're afraid to step out. We're afraid to live in risk. We're afraid to live without fear. We're afraid to live boldly and confidently and go forth and act on our intuition and act on the direction of our higher self because we're afraid, what if I make a mistake? There might be judgment waiting for me. There might be punishment waiting for me. No. If you make a mistake, make your own mistakes because those are the things that you came here to learn and if we can embrace everything about ourselves not as mistakes but embrace everything about ourselves as learning experiences as opportunities for growth then we can really expand consciousness we can really live free we can really live without fear and 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 we can express the reality and the truth of who we are we can speak authentically we can speak with integrity we can live from our hearts we can live according to that which delights us in fact i, I won't keep referring back to the anatomy of the soul by rabbi ginsburg but he says he says the highest in the highest regions of of the spirit, I want to get this right since I'm supposedly quoting the man, uh, but this is going to shock you. Um, then in the, the highest plane, the highest transcendent plane, there are two levels that he gives in this book to the transcendent plane, to the highest self, to the highest, most spiritual expression. The lowest one is will. And so just like we've been talking about, do what thou wilt or will under love, right? Will and love working together. And then the highest, most transcendent state is pleasure, is pleasure. 
The Garden of Eden means the Garden of Pleasure. The Tree of Life would have let them live in a constant state of pleasure. And I got news for you. The Tree of Life is not something that existed in this physical dimension and plane and got wiped out by a flood, but it is a metaphor for your higher self. You are the Tree of Life. You are the Tree of Life. You're the one that you meet when you get past the cherubim with the flaming sword. That's what Ezekiel found. And that self lives in a state of exalted pleasure. And we're so afraid of pleasure. We're taught to be afraid of pleasure. We're taught to deny ourselves pleasure. And so we don't live boldly and we don't live confidently. We don't live freely. We live constricted. We live afraid. We live ashamed. We live confused. We live in darkness. And all of that is just the parasite that is expressing itself through your body. It's the lower conditioned programmed self. And that's the self that we are told not to think on. That's the self that we're told in scripture to put to death so that we can set our mind on the higher self. We can set our mind on the things above and we can get downloads about what's supposed to happen for us in our life. And so this then is a really good time to open yourself up to what's vibrating, what's coming to you. Um, Opening yourself to your higher self, not to something other than you, not something foreign, but the deepest part of who you are in Christ, in God, according to scriptures. Now, I'm using scriptures to speak to the Christian audience, but listen, you don't need the scriptures to understand this. This is an understanding. This is a theme or a thread that runs through all religions that is sort of the cord that binds them. Altogether, within Islam, you have Sufism that talks about this. Within Judaism, you have Kabbalah that talks about this. Within uh, uh, what's the Hinduism, you have the Atman that is talked about. Within Christianity, you have the mystical stream uh, that, that really Paul is trying to give in his writings, at least on his second uh, temple, Judaism. I'm sorry, first century understanding. That's the word I'm looking for. New Agers talk about this um, because it's a real phenomena. You don't have to have the scripture. You don't have to believe in Jesus. You don't have to quote scripture or have Christ or any of that stuff. This is this is uh, other circles in in ancient Greece. Uh, it was known as the daemon, the daemon, um, not demon, daemon, the the genius, the higher genius. It's it's the higher self. It's connecting with the daemon. That's that's the Greek philosophy term for it. It doesn't matter what you call it. It doesn't matter what you use to describe it. I'm using Christian language to describe it uh, today because I'm, I'm just choosing to do that. But it's an organic experience. It's something that's so natural to you that honestly, if you just get in touch with yourself, if you just get in touch with your vibrations, if you can... Uh, just listen to the chatter in your brain, all that stuff about how you're a failure and how you've messed up and how, uh, I wish that, you know, the, the regret voices. I wish I'd have chosen this, um, back then. I wish I wouldn't have made this mistake. If I'd have chosen differently here, I'd be on a different path. All that stuff is just noise. It's just noise. It's just background noise. <clears throat> and it's trying to convince you that you are temporal being, that you only have this life, that you only have this existence, that you only have one shot to get it all right, because if you can become convinced of that, if you can become hypnotized by that, if you can become seduced by that, if you can become deluded into believing and attaching and identifying with those voices, 
then that will shut you off from the reality of eternity. That this life is but a vapor. Nobody, nobody gets upset. You know, it, it comes, it's gone. And we, we put so much stock in it. We get so upset about the mistakes that we made. Think, oh, if only I had more time. Listen, seize the day, seize the, the time that you have right now. What, what are you going to do with today? It's going to make a difference in your tomorrow. What are you going to enjoy today? What are you going to indulge in today? What are you going to get lost in the ecstasy of today in your life? What are you going to do today that's going to have an impact for your tomorrow? All things are yours. The world, life, death. Things present. And things to come. Are, are, are you able to handle this? Are you, are you tracking with this? So here's my point. Now's a really good time to open up yourself for a prophetic word from your higher self. To not be controlled by what somebody else is saying is going to happen in the future. I mean, gosh, guys, there's so much within religion that just shuts us down and shuts us off. Like, uh, you, you mark my words. Somebody pointed this out in the religious trauma group, and I, and I thought, yeah, this is absolutely what's going to happen. But you, you have these, the, the guys, you know, that were all in the prophetic evangelical movement. They hitched their wagon politically to what was going on in our country. That That's not going to happen. Hate to break it to you. If you have your heart set on another four years of Trump, ain't gonna happen. Nothing's gonna happen on the sixth is gonna change it. Nothing's gonna happen on the twentieth is gonna change it. Mark my words. So what's gonna happen to that group? What are they gonna move on to next? I promise you what's coming next out of this pandemic. I promise you what's coming from the church, the evangelical church and the religious voices next is going to be a regurgitation and a recycling of all the Bible prophecy bullshit. And listen, listen, I've been at this 30 years intensely. The first thing, when I first got saved, the first thing that I got indoctrinated into was Hal Lindsey's The Late Great Planet Earth, There's a New World Coming, um, the entire dispensational system of Bible prophecy. And here's what they're going to tell you. There's a great falling away. It's all rooted in fear. They're going to tell you if you're not living right, Jesus is coming back any minute. If you're not living right, you're going to miss it. That's preying upon your fear of abandonment, that you will be left behind. That is a very primal fear that we have. And they are going to speak to that vibration to get you vibrating at the level of abandonment. Next, they're going to speak about a great falling away that's occurring, a great apostasy, a great delusion that's occurring. That is going to speak to your fear of free thinking. That is going to be to keep you locked into the meme. No, you've got to follow us and you've got to go our direction. You've got to stay with us. You've got to stay in our camp because if you depart, you are departing. There's this cosmic thing that's going on and you are, so if you're a free thinker, well, watch out for that. That's a slippery slope. Well, (laughs) what can I say? Uh, and then they're going to tell you uh, to watch out for the mark of the beast. There, there's already people saying it's connected to the vaccine. They're going to tell you to uh, that there's this coming antichrist. It, it's going to be a regurgitation of the same stuff that they've been preaching for over a hundred years. Now, here's what they won't tell you. What they won't tell you is if you go back and read the writings of the early church fathers, you will find none of that. You will find no interpretation of scripture that conforms to that kind of thinking until the counter-reformation. And it was a Roman Catholic ruse 
literally. It was literally a response because the, the reformers were saying that the Pope was the Antichrist, that the Catholic Church was the, the whore of Babylon, and they needed to counter that. They needed to come up with a counter Antichrist. So they commissioned people to write under false names and false pseudonyms and present themselves as Jewish rabbis in order to convince the Protestants that there was a future world ruler Antichrist that was coming, and they put that lens upon the scripture, and it really didn't have much traction. It really didn't go anywhere until the there was a movement in the 1870s. Um, it's where Aleister Crowley, his his father was a, a, a leader in this movement. Um, gosh, I can't remember the the Darby Brethren, and they uncovered these writings, and it formed the foundation of their teachings. And they began to teach all this stuff back then about a rapture back then. It's coming. It's happening in our lifetime in 1870. C.I. Schofield got a hold of that, published the Schofield Bible. It came to America and your, your conservative evangelical seminaries founded themselves on Schofield teaching. And so it's infiltrated the church. But I'm, I'm telling you, when I was 18, 19 years old, they were telling us all this stuff. It didn't happen. It never happens. John Hagee and those guys, about five years ago, were talking about the blood moon prophecies, and, and they even set a date, and it didn't happen. It, Y2K, it didn't happen. 2012, it didn't happen. They're going to seize upon this and try to tell you. And, it's, it's, and so what they're doing is they're preying on your fear of abandonment. They're preying upon your fear. of They're doing it unconsciously. They're just vibing with that. I do believe there are dark, uh, seditious powers that are behind that kind of thinking, but the people themselves are not doing it deliberately. They're doing it with the best of intentions, not realizing that they're vibrating at the frequency of fear, at very low levels of primal fears, the fear of death, the fear of abandonment, the fear of being left out. If you're not with our group, you're with the deceived group over here, the fear of thinking for yourself, and it's going to lock you into a box of fear and prevent you from possessing the future which is yours. Notice Paul says right here in the scriptures, the future is yours. The future does not belong to a fiction, imaginary antichrist figure that is coming on the scene you have more control over your life than that you don't need to be afraid of that garbage and i don't know why i'm going off on that today except that i promise you that's going to be the next thing because they hitched their wagon to some utopian version of america that they thought that donald trump and the republicans were going to give us and that didn't happen and they've been promulgating fear of of socialism and 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 can't even give you an idea of what they're talking about when you ask them, what is your picture of socialism? And all this stuff, getting us divided, getting us to fear one another, getting us in, in conflict with one another. And, and then, and then what's going to happen is when all that stuff doesn't happen. I mean, there are prophets that are doubling down on the prophecy that are getting ready to fly to inauguration day to see Donald J. Trump inaugurated for the next four years. That's not going to happen. So what comes next? We're, that anger is going to come next and it's going to come out in the sense of, of this end time BS that is going to keep you locked in bondage and prevent you from connecting with your higher self. Now, not my message today. I don't know why I went there. I'll probably be going there in the future because I just can't stand that people, the, the Bible says study to show yourself approved. If you study the history of it, um, uh, yeah, I love that comment, Doug. Darby and Schofield help birth the junk that enters your soul when you say, Jesus, come into me. Absolutely. In a Christian church, absolutely true. So all that stuff, the energy of all that stuff, 
uh, comes into you. So maybe that's why I'm speaking to that because maybe somebody needs to clear that away so that they can really hear, begin to hear, open up and hear from their higher self and open up to better possibilities. Because here's what I, here's what I think. Here's what I'm hearing from my higher self. This is what I'm hearing for 2021. I, I do believe that the season, like I have been in a season of sifting and trial and reshaping and reformatting and chronic stress for about the last four years. And I am declaring <laughs> prophetically out of the higher regions of my spirit that that season is over. And I do believe if you, if you look historically, let's just look historically. I'm not trying to be prophetic, thus saith the Lord, but looking at trends historically, with the Spanish flu was in 1918. If you go back and study the Spanish flu, the same kind of stuff that's happening today, the same kind of patterns, the same kind of means, the same kind of infighting about masks happened in 1918 during the Spanish flu. Exactly. It's just how humanity reacts in a pandemic. But what happens right after that is we had the roaring 20s. And I think we are going to see a, re- a renewing and a renaissance and a reviving of the roaring 20s in, in 2020. I, I really do. And I think 2021 is going to begin uh, the the – the, that's going to begin. I do believe that for myself – the season of, uh, like I'm leaving the Valley of Baca. The Bible talks about that they, they, the, those that have their hearts set on pilgrimage going through the Valley of Baca, they make it a, a place of pools and springs. The word Baca means weeping, but they go through the Valley of Baca. They don't set their tent there. They don't abide there. They don't live there. And so I believe for me, I'm coming out of that valley. I believe I'm coming out of the Valley of Baca. I believe I'm coming out of the Valley of the Shadow of Death. And if this is resonating with you and you want to own it for yourself, then it's probably resonating with you because maybe our uh, higher selves are vibing or your higher self is like tapping you on the shoulder and saying, listen to this. But look, if you and I do not strongly set our attention intention and alignment with that. That's what Paul's saying. Set your mind. Set your consciousness. Set your intention on things above where your life is hidden with Christ. That there has to be a bold intention, a bold setting. Set your face like flint. The the Bible says Jesus' face was set like flint to go to Jerusalem. Uh, A strong will that says, I am coming out. I am coming out. Out of the darkness. I am coming out of the valley. I am coming out of the confusion. I am coming out of the hardship. I am coming out of the place of lack. I am, I am, I am moving into my own roaring twenties. I am moving into a place of abundance. I am moving into a place of refreshing. I am moving into a place of, of, of victory in my own personal life. Not victory in the sense of lording over other people or, or or I'm getting what I'm getting at the expense of someone else, which is competition, uh, which is the old paradigm, which is the age of Pisces, which is being shaken in this new age of Aquarius that we've stepped into. Uh, the, the aligning of the planets. Listen, th- th- there was something very powerful about Jupiter and Saturn coming together on the summer solstice. In, in the darkness so that we could see, oh, guys, 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 Jupiter and Saturn, the most uh, uh, prominent and powerful of the planetary energies that also represent uh, opposite forces, if you will. Jupiter, the force of creation and expansion. Saturn, the force of destruction and constriction. Watch this. Watch this. Watch this. This is so powerful. 
coming together, coming into conjunction to form the brightest star in the sky. Man, the heavens declare the glory of God. And you know what constellation it was in? You know what constellation the conjunction of Jupiter and Saturn was in? It was in the constellation of Aquarius. Man, I feel the presence of God. I feel the presence of the upper worlds. I feel the realm of the spirit. I feel what we used to call the anointing. I feel a prophetic declaration. The force of destruction and constriction and the force of creation and expansion getting so close that you can't tell the difference. With the naked eye, you have to look closer into the heavens. Watch. Aligning in the constellation of Aquarius, the age that we are moving into, on the eve of the winter solstice, the darkest day of the year, the day when the sun dies and gets buried in the earth three days. And on the 25th is born again to signal that the coldness of winter is over, that the darkness of winter is over. And that there is an expansion of light that is coming. So think about this. 2020 has been, for many of us, the darkest, hardest year of our lives, corporately, collectively. Sure, there are those of us that have suffered losses bigger than we suffered in 2020 and have gone through bigger storms individually. But collectively, as humanity, the whole world caught in this pandemic, the whole world caught in these shutdowns, the whole world in economic crisis, the whole world fighting with each other. Instead of being compassionate with one another, instead of acting with wisdom and compassion, we have acted with uh, fear out of out of our need for, for survival and pleasure. And we've acted out of all these lower vibrations of fear, all these things that reside in the lower chakras. Uh, you know, like in the midst of that, coming to the end of the year, I mean, what are the odds? In 2020, in the winter solstice, that we would see a sign in the sky that says, look, behind the destruction and constriction, that Saturn energy, if you will, behind that, hidden within that, is the power of blessing. The power for prosperity, the power for recreation and new creation, the power for renewal. On this, the darkest night of the year, the heavens declaring the glory of God and he that has eyes to see and he that has ears to hear and those that can recognize the true signs in the heavens. He's not saying, look, we're getting ready for a second coming. And this isn't signaling the end of the world. This is signaling the end of an age in Aquarius. The, 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 the constricting, restricting forces of the age of Pisces are giving way to the expanded equalizing, abundant, powerful, creative, and prosperous force of Aquarius. On the darkest night of the year, like it's over, gang. It's over. It is done. It is finished. And it's time to give up the ghost. To ascend to your Father, to your Source, 
to the higher regions of your spirit to grab hold. What is source saying to you? What is your higher self saying to you? How do you know? How do you know? It's a deep intuition. It's a deep intuition. Listen, to, to cultivate the connection with your higher self, to cultivate the connection with the upper regions of your spirit, you have to do your shadow work. You have to recognize what are the voices of the lower order and the lower vibrations. What are the voices of that belong to fear, that belong to this age, the, the voices of shame, the voices of regret, the voices of powerlessness and helplessness, the voices of comparison, all that stuff are the lower vibrations uh, of, of that parasitic self that I was talking about. You've got to be able to, to, to sift through that. That takes some work. That takes some work. But then there is this intuition. There is this birthing. There is this sort of deep listening for thoughts and feelings and intuitions, quieting the mind. Maybe you can't get your mind quiet, but you tune it out like it's background noise in a restaurant and you engage what, what, what Crowley called the conversation of the, of the holy guardian angel within yourself. It's all background noise. I'm sitting down at the table with my holy guardian angel. I'm sitting down at the table with my higher self. I'm sitting down at the table with the self that Paul said was in Christ where my life is hidden with God in Christ. And all the rest of it, all the memes, all the political nonsense, all the religious nonsense, all the personal voices of shame and guilt and condemnation and limitation, the voices of pain, the voices of the earth, the voices of flesh, all that is just background noise and background chatter. And I'm giving my intention and attention to the voice of my heart self. And I'm listening deep within for something that is going to be life-giving. Look, your life is hidden there. If it's not life-giving, it's not coming from your higher self. If it's not life-giving, it's not coming from your higher self. If it's not inspirational, inspiration, in spirit, to be in-spirited, Words are so powerful. People say there's coming an apostate church. You know, the word apostate means to escape from slavery. <laughs> so they call you an apostate. Guess what? That just means you left the camp. You left the, the vineyard. You left the, you left the uh, plantation. And you're ready for a new life. And, and so inspiration. So listen, these are the vibrations that you're looking for. There's life in this. There's inspiration to be inspirited. And then the other thing is it's probably going to fly in direct contradiction to your circumstances. It's probably going to fly in direct contradiction to the voices of the masses around you. It might fly in direct contradiction to your social setting. It might fly in direct contradiction to the people who have been manipulating you and controlling you for their own needs. Yeah, runaway slave. It, it's gonna, it's gonna run contrary to the voices of the pharaohs in your life and the slave masters in your life. And you're going to have to make a choice. You're either going to live this inspirited life, this inspired life, this Christed life, this anointed life, this pleasurable life, this life of ecstasy, this life of boldness, this life. Ah, but if I, if I step out, oh, the chaos, it's gonna, it's gonna cause chaos. Yes, it's gonna cause chaos because you're shifting, you're moving. Yes, you're gonna taste the fullness of the forces of Saturn that are gonna destroy the former self and the former existence that you used to have. But behind that is the glory 
of a new beginning. The glory of a winter that's over. The glory of a darkness that has come to an end. The glory of a new day and a new season on the horizon. The glory of a new age. Aquarius, the man with the water pitcher in the hand, ready to water you. Did you know that Plato referred to you, referred to human beings as heavenly plants in the earth, divine plants in the earth. And Aquarius's job was to water the garden of the gods in the heavens. And so this is a special time for those of us that are awakening to our divinity, that are awakening to our divine spark, that are awakening to the Christ that is in us, that are awakening to this beautiful, wonderful, inspirited life. Man, there's an energy that's coming from the heavens, that's coming from source, that's coming from the divine realms, that's coming from the Elohim, as it's called in scripture. To water you, the divine plant, to give you source and sustenance and nourishment. Listen, it's not that hard. You don't have to have these out-of-body, out-of-otherworldly, spectacular experiences. You just have to listen to what feeds you. You just have to follow what makes you feel alive. You just have to follow that which inspirits and inspires you. And trust in that. Lean not to your understanding and meet head on the destructive forces of Saturn and say, I'm I'm letting go of the past. I'm not going to wear the garments of the past anymore. I'm not going to wear the garments of 2020 anymore. I'm not going to wear the garments of regret anymore. I'm not going to wear the garments of unforgiveness anymore. I'm not going to wear the garments of bitterness anymore. I'm not going to wear the garments of shame anymore. And when you do that, you begin to channel the life of the higher self. And when you begin to follow that, man, there is such a shift that happens that synchronicities, your karma literally changes. Synchronicities begin to happen for you. Disease and sickness and pain that used to be once part of your life, you begin to find out as part of those lower vibrations. It's not just a process that's happening in your body. It's an attachment to lower vibrations. And part of the reason you came here was to work through those lower vibrations. Jared, you're going to get... <laughs> Jared, you're going to Jared Martin. Naughty, naughty. <laughs> yes, very Luciferian. Because Lucifer shook off. Listen, I'll say this pretty because I know I've got a Christian, Christian audience out there. Listen. <laughs> Go to Isaiah 14. I will. Everything that the king of Babylon declared about himself jesus is said about you in ephesians is said about jesus seated in the heavenly places far above the stars of god the principalities the powers the might the dominion far above every name that can be named being like the most high to behold him is to behold the image of and then jesus calls himself lucifer in revelation the morning star venus <laughs> so beautiful, so powerful. We're told in Second Peter one nineteen to let Lucifer, the morning star in the Latin, it's Lucifer, the morning star rise in your heart. Come on, gang. There is inside every one of you. You have a connection. Plato said the higher self is praying downwardly towards you that you might perchance reach up 
and enter into the holy conversation and in, in, into the conversation with the holy guardian angel, with the higher self, the higher regions of your spirit. It's not that hard. It's not that hard. It's following the inspirations. It's finding God in the little things. It's Doug Wentz said something to me this week that I just, man, Doug, you're so balanced in so much of this and so seasoned and I appreciate your wisdom so much. But he said, you know, whenever I get to hearing too many voices from the heavens, whenever I get too many visitations or have too many visions and trances and experiences and all that stuff, he says, I take, I shut it all down. I turn all those voices off and I go outside and I, I get in nature and I enjoy the flower and I enjoy the sunrise. And uh, I know you've talked, Doug, about enjoying your, your fish that you, that you raise and nurture and take care of. Finding joy in the smaller things, finding the inspiration inside all that stuff. Sometimes that's the higher self. Sometimes just experiencing the wonder and the pleasure and the goodness of nature, the goodness of your children and their laughter, the wonder of their experiences, the kindness and compassion of your neighbors, the extension of friendship and love, compassion and encouragement. Oftentimes, those are the places that we find God the most. So if you start feeling yourself frustrated, I can't, I can't hear from the higher self. Just go chill, man. Just go chill and find pleasure in the little things. And you'll find your inspiration. And you'll make that connection. You'll make that connection. You got it? But then here's, here's the other part. Once you, once you, you, at some point, if you're going to have change in your life, you have to boldly and confidently declare and decree. That's where being the prophet of your own life, that's where the channeling of the higher self. So I'm decreeing for myself this season that I've been in, man, it's over. And there is a season of financial abundance. There is a season of tremendous blessing in relationships. There is wonderful experiences to be had that I have not yet experienced or had. There's vacations, there's places I'm going to go, there's people I'm going to meet, there's connections that I'm going to make, there's influence that I'm going to have, there's impact that I'm going to make. And I'm going to work harder in this next year to have impact and to move into those things than I have in any previous year. I'm declaring that for 2021, a brighter and a better day. And if that speaks to you and you want to grab onto that for yourself, then feel free to do that. But make it your own. I know what that's going to look like for me. I know to some extent how that's going to take shape and form. And yet I'm going to trust the unfolding of life. I'm not going to go out clinging to it and trying and working and laboring and trying to make it happen by force. <laughs> oh, I hope so. Mariana says, yes, you're going to a Joe Dispenza event. I hope so. <laughs> I received that. That is prophetic. I have really wanted to do that. I think, Mariana, since you, you told me about the one you went to. So that's what I'm decreeing and declaring. If it resonates with you, grab it, but make it your own. Make it your own. What does it look like in your life? What does it look like in your relationships? What does it look like in your family? What does it look like in your job? What does it look like for you? And it may not be grandiose. It doesn't have to be. It simply has to be what is, brings delight to your heart. Don't you believe in a father that wants to give delight to your heart? In a source that wants to bring good things, every good and perfect gift coming down from the Father of lights. 
I'll leave you with this. Therefore, let no one boast in men, for all things are yours. Whether Paul or Apollos or Cephas or the world or life or death or things present or things to come, all are yours and you are Christ's and Christ is God's. Thank you for watching. Thank you for contributing. God bless you. Have a wonderful weekend and a happy new year.